Welcome to the AWS Tech Chat Podcast. We are solution architects and we help customers adopt the AWS Cloud Platform. In each episode, we dive deep, demystify technology and talk about the latest and most interesting technical developments in the world of AWS Cloud. We bring you the AWS Roundup and Deep Tech Dives in topics of interest. Hello, my name's Shane Baldacino, and this is episode 75 of the AWS Tech Chat podcast. And for today's themed episode, I'm joined by principal developer advocate, Gabe Hollenby. Now, he's one of the nicest guys going around, but you know, listeners, that's not the reason he's flying wingman with me today. In a previous episode, episode 57, we spoke about all things messaging, which covered a plethora of topics from event streams, traditional event buses, push-based notification services, but there was one area you asked for more information. And we'll get to that in a moment. Welcome, Gabe. Thanks, Shane. It's always a pleasure to be on the show. Uh, I love what you're doing with TechChat, and it's an honor to co-host another episode with you. Fantastic. What's happening in your world, Gabe? Not so much. Uh, It's a beautiful sunny day here in Singapore, where I'm recording this from. And uh, I have a nice uh, long weekend ahead celebrating a wedding anniversary with my wife. So just looking forward to that. Very good. Okay. So look, welcome back listeners. In this episode of Tech Chat, driven by listener feedback. So look, you can influence this show. Send us a message, Chat at amazon.com. We're going to take a deeper look under the covers of a relatively new AWS service. Now, this service was released in July of 2019, and it's related to messaging. And that is Amazon EventBridge. And then we're going to compare that with an even newer service, Amazon AppFlow. Cool. Now I see why you brought me onto the show. I definitely like talking about event-driven architectures. Uh, I'm a serverless man at heart, and uh, I love when we can combine these topics together and talk about uh, serverless solutions for event-driven architectures. So uh, yeah, you've picked a a good person to co-host this episode with you. Totally. So I've got the right person for the job here. I'm going to kick back, Gabe, and I'm going to leave this to you. Actually, I won't do that. But look, Let's take a look at EventBridge as one of those developer-focused services, you know, and I feel it's ushering in a new way to integrate third-party SaaS applications into AWS. And Gabe, we're going to get deeper into this, but look, wearing my customer hat, we know the world is not orange. And by that, I mean AWS. I can just, you know, remember when I was in customer land, we're going to, customers are going to pick, you know, the best tool for the job. And that could be from a buy versus build culture to um, you know, various different other reasons. And this is where EventBridge really comes into play. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it just comes down to uh, what can we do to make developers' lives easier at AWS? And certainly when it comes to integrating systems together, uh, whether they be all systems that you've built in-house or when you have to connect systems that you've built with uh, third-party SaaS providers, we want to make that as easy and as powerful as possible. And that's where tools like Amazon EventBridge and Amazon AppFlow come into the, the picture to make that uh, just a much smoother and more powerful uh, capability for you. Fantastic. I really look forward to hearing you know, how, that can, how we can make that much smoother for customers. Because I remember from my days as an ad hoc developer, there can be some pain points and some friction integrating these SaaS applications. So Gabe, look, let's quickly do a lap of some news. Last time we spoke, we covered the virtual summit in Japan and the in-person event in China. The latter was actually canceled. So we're in a challenging environment at the moment. 
events are shifting around online, but I would say, you know, continue to learn and be curious. There is content out there from serverless days, and I'm sure Gabe, you'll be able to tell us more about that, to webinars and video on demand. Make it a habit to consume content. Pop AWS events into your local search engine, and there will be something to meet your needs. I actually just attended an event on exploring DNS traffic using Route 53 Resolver query logging. Now, Route 53 Resolvers, uh, you know, completely changed how one does hybrid DNS. So, you know, it was good to learn a little bit more about that. What about you, Gabe? Uh, yes, Route 53, Corey Quinn's favorite database product. Um, <laughs> so what about me and, and conferences and events? The last one I did was uh, ANZ Ed Serverless Days a couple weeks ago where I was actually just helping out on the back end. I wasn't a, a speaker. It was really good to be of service to the community, just helping run that two-track uh, virtual conference. Uh, I was uh, one of the, the directors behind the scenes making sure all of the OBS live streaming for, for one of the tracks worked. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. I got to learn some new things uh, about how to help run virtual live conferences uh, and, of course, you know, connect with the community as well. So always glad to be of service there. Now, speaking of events uh, and AWS, the next virtual summit will be for the public sector organizations on October 20th. And this event will cover multiple regions, including India, Asia Pacific and ASEAN, the Middle East, Australia and New Zealand, and Europe. You mentioned OBS. I had one of uh, a colleague using OBS in a chime call a few weeks ago. Very impressive. I think, Gabe, since you're an expert on this now, I'm going to have to pick your brain a little bit more about OBS. Sure. Uh, probably we shouldn't do a tech chat episode on it, but uh, it's certainly a really powerful uh, piece of, of free software that if you're doing any kind of live streaming or broadcasting, uh, it's it's probably the go-to thing you should look at. I mean, there, there are products you can pay for too, but if you're on a budget or you just like supporting open source projects, uh, definitely give OBS a check. I feel everyone is effectively doing live streaming these days, living in virtual meetings. Yes. We digress. Okay, so look, reInvent is also around the corner. Who would have thought, you know, October already? Hard to believe the year has shifted really to an online affair. But the good news is, you know, rather than going through the dance of booking hotels, travel, perhaps even begging your workplace to attend, it's free and online this year. So fantastic there. Yeah. Um, what else do we have to say about news or stats? I guess region-wise, we're still at 24 regions all around the world, uh, thanks to South Africa and Milan coming online recently. But uh, CloudFront has 217 edge locations around the world now. Uh, with some additional edge locations due to arrive shortly as well. Yeah, and I'm going to call out two additional features that CloudFront has launched in the last month or so. And one of those is Brotly compression, which can reduce object sizes up to 24% compared to, I guess, the more well-known GZIP compression been around for ages. Um, and then there's TLS 1.3 support, which has latency and security posture benefits. So if you are a CloudFront user, please take a look at both of these announcements as the benefits are very tangible. All right, Gabe, let's get into this. Now, I'm going to start from a product details uh, perspective before asking you to unpack this. So EventBridge, as we say, it's a serverless event bus that makes it easy to connect applications together using data from your own applications, integrated SaaS applications, and AWS services. EventBridge delivers a stream of real-time data from event sources and routes that data to targets like AWS Lambda. So Gabe, as a developer or architect, what does this mean to you? And I guess, why would I use this? 
Great question. Uh, so let's just do some level setting uh, to kind of paint the picture a bit more. So as, as developers or architects, uh, we're probably at this point all familiar with this idea of distributed systems or services, right? We often just call that microservices, and I'm not going to split hairs here around how small your services need to be, uh, but that's generally the lingo we use. So uh, whether or not you started with a monolith, at some point you probably are going to end up with at least two, probably more services that you need to uh, you know, stitch together or interact with each other in some way in order to fulfill some uh, some business requirements that span, you know, the domain of more than one service. Uh, you know, for example, uh, in, in Amazon retail, you uh, when an order comes through, we might want to send that order to uh, an analytic system for processing. We also want to dispatch that order to the, the shipping service to make sure that the, the items are going to get shipped out. Uh, and, you know, we might also uh, do a a message to some other downstream service uh, interested in you know customer support i'm just making this up but for for argument's sake it's easy easy to understand how you know th these kinds of interactions might happen now uh, in distributed systems uh, to get work done you generally have two different approaches you can use uh, one is called orchestration and orchestration is not what Amazon Eventbridge does, but I'll just quickly touch on it because uh, a different service will help you there. So the concept of orchestration is where you have kind of a single process that wants to own the uh, execution of a of business workflow, typically with some kind of complex logic. So you know it's uh, workflows where you're going to say, okay, I'm going to take this message and send it to this service and look at the results of that service. And if the service responded in in this way, I'll do this. If it responded in that way, I'll do that, et cetera. And you know, often with multiple services in that whole orchestration or workflow, not just uh, one communication. And so for those cases, uh, orchestration is a, is a really good fit for having those sort of logical workflows. Uh, and AWS Step Functions is the service you should go to there for uh, having a fully serverless workflow execution environment on AWS. But we're here to talk about Amazon EventBridge. So where does that fit in? Well, the other type of service coordination that you often see in the wild is one that we call choreography. Uh, and the idea there is it's, it's much more of a, we want some different systems to work together in concert, but they don't necessarily need to have a whole lot of interactivity with each other, or certainly not in a way we're gonna, where we're going to embed a lot of logical workflow into it. They might communicate back and forth, and we might want to know uh, to give them a way to do that, uh, but you, you know, where you don't have a lot of necessarily logic in place uh, to, to make a workflow happen. And so in that case, uh, what we'll generally do is have some kind of event bus, uh, right? Or, or some place where we can publish messages and have other uh, systems subscribe to those messages to react to what's happening. And, and so in that way, if you just imagine, if you had one place uh, in, your, in your organization where all interesting events from any of your uh, services could just publish those events to, uh, hey, this happened, hey, that happened. Uh, and then any of the other services could just respond, uh, or sorry, subscribe to all those messages, look at the ones that they were interested in, ignore the other ones, uh, and react accordingly. That uh, is, is another common pattern. That's, that's really that choreography pattern. Now, what can happen there is with if you don't have something in place to put some logic to help decide how should we dispatch events to other downstream services, it can get a little bit confusing because then you might not know which services are interested in which events from which other services. And so that's where Amazon EventBridge steps up to really provide some useful uh, intra-service glue. Uh, so I don't know if I used intro right. Is it intra or inter-service? Uh, service glue between services, let's just say that. So uh, what I mean here is Amazon EventBridge has a really nice 
capability in that you don't just, it's not just a place where you publish events from your different services and other services can react to it. It's actually the thing that has some logic in it where you can say pattern match against the events that are coming onto this event bus. And based on different rules that you define, uh, EventBridge will forward those events and optionally transform them to downstream services. So you've got basically now one place you can look to understand how are my services glued together, which services care about which events, and under which rules will I trigger passing those events on to downstream services. That is cool, Gabe. Okay, where to from here? Uh, maybe we can talk um, a bit more about uh, events. I mean, I've talked a lot about this concept of an event, but what, what do I mean when I say an event? What's the format of an event? Okay, Gabe. So look, you mentioned, you know, EventBridge being a place where multiple applications can publish and emit events. Now, I think that's fantastic here because, you know, it's really acting as a solid foundation for integration from multiple different uh, systems in your architecture. You know, that could be AWS services. It could be third-party applications here. Now, you, you know, you spoke a little bit more about, or you mentioned, I should say, Gabe, events. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more? Like what is an actual event here when we're talking about EventBridge? Sure. That's a good idea. And also let's let's park that concept of third party and come back to it later because I, I want to, we should spend some more time talking about that because so far I've sort of just talked about having your services talk to each other, but we should also revisit what it means about, you know, what support Amazon EventBridge has for third party services as well. But what is an event? So an event is uh, a JSON data structure, essentially, uh, that has some, it's an envelope uh, in a way. You could think of it like there are some top level fields we expect to be there on this JSON uh, object, uh, describing the source of the event, the timestamp, what region it happened in, and then uh, a detail field that has whatever is appropriate uh, body content for that event, depending on it. Uh, for example, uh, Amazon EC2 autoscaling, uh, when a group creates a new Amazon EC2 instance, uh, it's going to emit an event with a source called aws.autoscaling and detail value of something like EC2 instance created successfully. And so uh, the on at the most basic level, you've got these events that different systems are going to publish to uh, an Amazon EventBridge event bus. Uh, and by the way, this is probably just a good time to mention many, many AWS services uh, can already just publish events to uh, an EventBridge bus automatically. And so uh, if nothing else, if you're interested in, in creating something that will listen to a lot of the events happening inside your AWS account to do things uh, when certain events happen, Amazon EventBridge is a great solution for that too because uh, you know, many, many, many uh, things that happen in your account are just going to show up as events uh, on an EventBridge event bus from AWS. So that's a neat thing. So you've got hey, these events. Just... Oh, sure. Go on. I'm just going to cut you off here, Gabe, but it sounds like you're just describing CloudWatch events here. You know, doesn't Amazon already have a capability to leverage events emitted by AWS services via CloudWatch events? That's a great question. And the answer is kind of like yes and more. Uh, so EventBridge builds upon and extends what CloudWatch events uh, was. So if you're if you're not familiar, uh, Amazon CloudWatch is our service that you know is kind of all things logging uh, and metrics. And uh, it, we had a, a feature in there, and it still exists called CloudWatch Events. Now, uh, Amazon EventBridge uses the same service API and endpoint uh, to the same underlying service infrastructure, but 
we've added some capabilities on top of CloudWatch events to make it easier for building event-driven applications. Uh, whereas, you know, CloudWatch events oftentimes were just used for uh, maybe uh, some some logging or some metrics, but it, it wasn't so easy to have a lot of rules dispatching uh, what services were going to go. Uh, or what what events were going to go into what downstream services when they happened. Uh, and there's even some more value we, we do in Amazon EventBridge uh, using things like schema discovery and, and a schema registry and, and code generation, which we should talk about later. So the point is, it's, it's CloudWatch events plus plus. That's the easy way to think about uh, Amazon EventBridge. Yeah. yeah. And look, that was a bit of a loaded question here. I think exactly, you know, CloudWatch events plus plus but also the number of AWS services which emit events to Amazon EventBridge versus CloudWatch is greatly increased on Amazon EventBridge. Uh, and I don't know what the official line here is, but it would kind of appear that this is the more preferred desired pattern for Amazon t- services to emit data out moving forward. Uh, it is, and uh, I would certainly say that my advice is EventBridge is what you should be using uh because of the extra value add that it puts on top of CloudWatch events. So if you if you are interested in having an event bus to uh, to work with, look at Amazon EventBridge. Don't restrict yourself to only the capabilities of CloudWatch events. Things change over time here at Amazon. Just like you know, a doctor would prescribe medicine ten years ago. These days, they may describe a different different type of medicine to achieve the same results. And if I contrast that in Amazon here you know in the past we definitely would have recommended hey if you know if you've got multiple vpcs that need joining up use you know vpc peering now these days i would probably never recommend to customers use vpc peering i'd ask a lot more questions and more than likely you know i'd leverage technologies such as private link or perhaps even transit gateway to be able to do the job and this is where i see event bridge here versus cloudwatch events Yes, it's it's an evolution of CloudWatch events with uh, you know more usefulness on top of it. So yeah, if you need to stitch systems together today uh, in an event-driven way, look at Amazon EventBridge. That's the easy answer. Ah, so um, I was talking about events and event bus, uh, but I, I might as well just flesh out the rest of the concepts here uh, in Amazon EventBridge. So we know these events are these JSON structures that get published onto a, a event bus, uh, and then what happens is we we need to forward events onto targets, right? So a target is uh, something that's going to handle that event. So it's a downstream system. Um, but the way that we decide what events are going to get forwarded to which targets is with rules. So you can define rules in an Amazon EventBridge event bus that says I'm going to match certain attributes or patterns in the incoming events, and then you know pass it on to one or more targets. So Gabe, you spoke about rules. Can you talk about you know what that process is like around pattern matching and how one gets started with playing with rules? Sure. Uh, so uh, what might be useful first is to talk about uh, transform because before uh, any rules get matched uh, against the inputs, you have the opportunity if you want to transform an event's input uh, before the, the rules look at it. And that's just an interesting capability to know about because it gives you a place to maybe normalize uh, the structure of your events that are coming in in case you have uh, so you expect maybe to have rules that are, are going to sometimes look at a top-level attribute on the event that may not always be there at the top level and what gets passed in. So you can you can hoist things up, for example, and, and do a, a little bit of other transformations as well. So good to know that you can do some input transforms before the rules match. Now, when it comes to writing rules and, and how rules match, 
there's a couple neat things you can do. Uh, you can basically, you, you're going to write rules that have a similar shape to the events that come in. That's how it's going to match. And so whatever, whatever fields you're interested in matching on from an event, you're going to include those fields inside your rules. Uh, and then you're going to have expressions, right? Basically you're, you're looking at an event to say, do one or more attributes on this event match in some way or compared to an undesired fashion, uh, one or more values that I'm interested in, in expressing some logic on. For example, yeah, just looking at our documentation here, which has some great examples about this, uh, you can do prefix matching on values. So for string values, for example, if you have a date stamp, uh, maybe you want to do a prefix match that says, okay, I'm only going to match things that start with, you know, the today's this this year 2020 uh, or whatever you know pre string prefix you want uh, you've got the ability to do uh, anything but matching so maybe an event has a uh, a property called uh, name uh, and I want to say match it for any name except for Gabe uh, so you can do that kind of matching if you want for for string data as well uh, you've also got uh, numeric matching, and this isn't just like equality matching, but you can do comparisons too. So if we know that the value coming in in a particular field of the event is numeric, then we can do comparisons. Like say, I want to match only if that field's value is greater uh, or less than or even between values, uh, or you can match a, a, an exact value numerically if that's interesting to you too. Uh, there's also intelligence around IP address matching. Uh, for ranging too, so you can actually pass a CIDR notation in, just like you would when you're configuring like VPCs and subnets and all that stuff. So you can use that same notation to to have intelligence in EventBridge around saying, okay, I only want to match this if this IP range exists inside, or sorry, the, if this event's detail includes an IP that's in this range. You know, you can write rules like that, uh, and you can even look for just a simple existence matching. So uh, maybe you want to write a rule that says. Uh, I only want to uh, pass this event on if the, a particular attribute exists on the source event. So all of those things are uh, available to you in the rules that you're writing. And you can combine those together. It's not just one or the other. Uh, and so you can you can use these kinds of rules and logic in whatever way you want to uh, to have one or more rules and each rule can have one or more tests inside it, right? Because it's again, it's just you're describing sort of a the structure for the, each rule looks like an event that it's going to match. And so uh, you could match multiple properties as you need to uh, for each rule. And then uh, you know, all the rules are going to get uh, evaluated against all the events that come in. So there's, it's not like, uh, it's, it's not like uh, routing a, a web request in a web server where you, know, you might have some dynamic routing to saying, oh, if it matches this path, then this is the route that wins. This is the handler I want to use. Uh, all the rules uh, will get evaluated against all of the uh, the messages and any rules that match, uh, they will trigger uh, and pass on to whatever targets were configured for for those rules. Yeah, awesome. Now, you just mentioned about you know messages coming in, all the messages coming in. I believe also you can schedule the expressions for rules as well using cron notation. Yeah, so uh, I think what that, what that capability is doing is giving you the ability to uh, have a uh, instead of reacting to an event that might get messaged onto your event bus at some point, you can say, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to publish a message at a particular schedule instead. Gabe, I believe we also have the ability to schedule expressions for rules. So rather than having incoming messages be processed as you know they are generated, 
EventBridge can be scheduled to run on Cron Expression with the minimum value here scheduled for one minute. So, you know, if you don't need fine grain schedule control, um, you know, it could be from one minute all the way, you know, through to a year and more here using Cron Expression. Cool. Hey, Gabe. So one of the big, uh, I guess, selling pieces for Amazon EventBridge is integration with SaaS providers here. Now, if I look back at times in my career, we've had to integrate, you know, once I built an integration between Salesforce and a monitoring platform, you know, I had to deal with things from Salesforce Force API, like OAuth 2 tokens, um, exposing API permissions and so on. It can be complex here. Can we talk now, let's pivot this conversation more around the SaaS integration that EventBridge provides? Sure. So, I guess so far you could have just imagined that EventBridge is this service in AWS that makes it easy for you to have an event bus that you publish events to so that your all the systems that you build can react to those events in ways that are meaningful for your business. And that's 100% true, but that's not the full extent of it, right? So another great capability of EventBridge is uh, the ability to ingest data from supported SaaS applications uh, and to route those over to AWS service targets uh, in, a, in a native way in the, in the management console, in the AWS management console. So uh, this is pretty neat. What, what the part of the vision for VentBridge is let's make a unified place where third-party SaaS applications can publish data about that application that you're using from some third-party SaaS provider uh, in a, and get that data into AWS in a standardized fashion. So that's what this uh, SaaS partner integration is all about. Yeah. Um, you know, just as an example here, look, there are lots of integrations here. I believe there's about 90 of them today. But look, as an example, PagerDuty you know, used by customers throughout the world. You know, imagine PagerDuty emitting an event, you know, that could automatically turn a signal, you know, that's happened in PagerDuty into action. So, you know, perhaps a, a system is offline and you know when the system is offline, you can carry out X events within AWS to bring your systems back online. You know, if PagerDuty can emit these events over your event bridge bus, be consumed perhaps by a Lambda function and you can take action, you know, feed it via step functions, etc. Gabe, you know, really, really powerful stuff here. Yeah, and just, just to say a bit more about this, uh, right? So before this third-party SaaS uh, partner integration with EventBridge existed as a thing, what was your alternative before Amazon EventBridge for this same kind of use case? It was you would probably have to uh, give the each third-party service provider, you would have to give them a webhook that they would poke, right? Mm. You say, okay, here's, I'm going to build my own API and they'll say, okay, I will, you know, they, it's up to the, those providers to say, have a field where you could give them a URL that they would uh, that they would poke at some API whenever they had an interesting event they wanted to let you know about, and that's you know that's an operational burden for you that you why should you need to to maintain and operate all of those different endpoints for all these different service providers that you might be interested in integrating with? That's that undifferentiated heavy lifting opportunity that uh, AWS saw here as part of uh, EventBridge's solution uh, to bring to market. So instead now, right, any third-party SaaS provider that wants to can onboard and integrate into EventBridge. Uh, and once they do that, then you, know, you get a published list of the, the different events uh, that, that, they, that they care to emit. Uh, and you can connect with those third-party uh, providers 
directly inside the management console in a really easy fashion. So it's it's really powerful. It definitely solves a problem that you may already be dealing with in a way that's you know more annoying than it needs to be. Uh, so it's really good to know about this as sort of the the way to bring services together from outside of AWS and you know reacting to them inside your account in whatever way makes sense for your business. Yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, you hit the nail on the head. If I look back also in the past, webhooks are absolutely the path I've dealt with in the past. You know, you provide a hook that, you know, set application pokes when or calls when an event occurs, but you're having to do that in a ad hoc basis. It's not consistent and so on. And just like, you know, when I'm, you know, there's no uh, no secret here. I love dealing with automation in uh, outside of AWS building automation. And when I'm looking at, you know, buying or procuring products, one of the things I often look at is, you know, how does one integrate? Now, there is about 90 SaaS providers that EventBridge currently integrates with. You know, if I was looking, for example, for a, you know, a CICD process at the moment, I'm evaluating different CICD applications. I would pick a CICD application more than likely, you know, I'd give it some extra value here for integration with services like EventBridge because I know I'm going to be able to integrate that in holistically to my environment and take action here. So, you know, EventBridge, really, really powerful for allowing third-party SaaS providers to integrate in and provide metrics to your architecture as a whole. Yeah. And PS, uh, any listeners out there who maybe are on the other side, maybe you have a startup or a business that uh, is a SaaS company and, and you, if you're not integrated with EventBridge yet, that's something you might want to look into also to give your customers that added peace of mind and ease of integration as well. Yeah. And look, there's a process for that. So, you know, currently, you know, we've got a list of EventBridge integrations, but, you know, if you do want to integrate your SaaS application with EventBridge, uh, pop, you know, EventBridge integration into your search engine. No doubt you'll find the EventBridge SaaS page and, you know, go from there. Yeah. The, the magic keyword you're looking for is the Amazon EventBridge partner onboarding guide. So let's wrapping up uh, EventBridge here. Now, I know we have a capability called a schema registry. Gabe, can we, you know, dive a little bit deeper in what is our schema registry and I guess why should developers leverage this? Sure, totally. That's a, that's a great question uh, to end on. And so whether you're having applications that you're building, these systems are going to deal with events from each other or from these third-party SaaS integrations that we just spoke about. At the end of the day, you've got the rules that are going to target you know, your systems uh, when forward some events onto them. So that's great. But once, you're, when, once your downstream system gets an event passed to it from EventBridge, once it mas- matched a rule that was configured, how does your system know what to do with it? Uh, and what I mean by that is, how does it pro- how does it ingest the event that's coming in, right? Because it's going to be it's going to come in as JSON to your system, whatever whatever you're building, and you're going to have to know what can I do with this event? What's the shape of this event? And so that's like you said that that, that we're talking about a schema here. And so as developers, when we're building systems that are going to handle events, we really want to know. What are the shapes of the events that can come into my system? What do they look like? How do they vary? And for that purpose, uh, whether it's explicit or not, in your code, you're dealing with events that expect them to conform to a particular schema. So we have a feature inside Amazon EventBridge called the Schema Registry. Now, this is a place where uh, you can 
publish the the known schema of the events that are that you know that you're going to publish onto your event bus if you know ahead of time and you and you want to just say okay here's the shape here's the inform the metadata about the events right this is what they look like this is the type of data they contain so you can do that or what's even cooler is you can turn on automatic schema discovery mm -hmm. for an event bus and then uh, EventBridge as the events are flowing through we'll start looking at those events the shapes of them and infer what the schema is for different types of events. So that's step one. That lets you know once you have a schema, either you know because you populated it yourself explicitly or it was auto-generated. The next part is how do developers leverage that information? And so uh, we have some really nice uh, plugins. We have the, the AWS Toolkit plugin, which works for for JetBrains products, which is like IntelliJ, PyCharm, uh, WebStorm, and Writer. Uh, and we have an extension for Visual Studio Code. Uh, and with these plugins and extensions, we make it easy to uh, get that kind of IntelliSense-like information around uh, particular events that you're processing uh, in your application code. Uh, and you know, the last thing I want to mention here is about uh, the code generation capabilities as well that that go hand in hand with the schema registry. Yeah, cool. Hey, some just a few points to call out here. So, can I target? another AWS account. So you can use cross-account events. So you can have a target that is either the default event bus in another AWS account. On the CloudFormation side of things at the moment, CloudFormation is supported for rules and event bus policy resources only. Event bus and event source resources are not yet supported, but that's something that will happen in the future. Now, Gabe, let me ask you this. When should I use EventBridge and when should I use services like Amazon SNS? Good question. Uh, so the way I like to think of it is EventBridge is useful when you have multiple downstream services that are interested in, in reacting to some events in your, in your collection of systems. Uh, and you want that ability to have a centralized place to interrogate to say which events matching which rules go to which systems. Right? That's the, that is some of the value that Amazon EventBridge brings to the table. Uh, whereas, you know, with, with SNS, it's uh, just kind of pub sub for what's happening right now, right? I, uh, I'm going to, all the messages that you, uh, oh no, you can put filters on too, can't you? So you can, you can use filters. Yeah. So look, how I like to think about it is SNS only supports a handful of services. So I believe there's six of them. So Lambda, SQS, uh, you know, HTTP endpoints. SMS, etc., and the latency is really low. But if you need that rich integration with lots of different services out there, and you probably don't need, you know, the unlimited throughput or nearly unlimited throughput that SNS provides, EventBridge is probably going to be your best bet here. Yeah, that's a really good call out. So the the latency with SNS is going to be really low, uh, but it it's low in both cases for practical terms unless it really matters to you like you said right like i think it's on the order of a couple seconds with uh, with eventbridge because it's going to be applying all those rules to to the the messages too uh, in a in a more robust fashion than i think what's capable with sns as well not robust a more featureful fashion i should say great okay so look that was eventbridge now let's quickly talk about appflow which for me is fantastic because Unlike you, Gabe, I'm not a developer by trade. Um, so look, AppFlow is an integration service, just like EventBridge that we just spoke about here, allowing you to integrate with SaaS applications. So the likes of Salesforce, Marketo, Slack, ServiceNow, 
even AWS services like S3 and Redshift with just a few clicks. And it really is just a few clicks. So if you know if you want to be able to get data, say, out of Salesforce and populate that into, say, S3, you can just log into the console, click, 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 put some credentials in, and away you go. So you can configure those, you know, powerful data transformation capabilities. So things like filtering, which we just spoke about, and validation without the ability to need, you know, deep developer skills here. Can I, so can I bit... tell you, let me, let me tell you what I'm hearing here because this sounds pretty cool. Uh, it sounds to me like if I want full control over ingesting all the, the types of events that are coming from a third-party uh, SaaS provider, for example, then Amazon Eventbridge would give me that full control because I have really detailed routing capabilities based on the event pattern matching and I could just dispatch the events to like, you know, uh, an AWS Lambda function and do whatever I want there in my code. But if I'm doing really common types of data transformation, for example, like you mentioned, uh, maybe it's uh, masking fields or, or mapping data types uh, or filtering or validating data, AppFlow, I'm sorry, Amazon AppFlow has a lot of pre-built-in operations to do that before it kicks it to my downstream services. Correct. Absolutely, Gabe, cool. yeah. Cool. So, I mean, that sounds pretty useful. Do you want to dig into any of those specific benefits from Amazon AppFlow a bit more? Yeah. Okay. So look, let's talk about speed and agility. So, you know, I just quickly touched over it before, but it really enables you to integrate applications within just a few minutes. You know, log in the console, click, click, click. There is no more waiting for, you know, developers to write code for custom connectors, features like, you know, pagination, error logging, network connection retries, they're all included by default. So you don't need to, you know, perform code and management around that. <clears throat> On the privacy and security front, so all AppFlow data between AppFlow and third-party integrations are encrypted, at rest, and in motion. So if you were, you know, as a point uh, connecting to something like Salesforce, it's maybe using a VPC endpoint and behind that there'll be private links. So we're going to minimize the threat from internet-based attacks and the risk of data leakage here. It's scalable. You know, it's one of those services where you don't need to manage it. It's not no underlying EC2 instances that you need to scale. It scales up without the need for you to provision resources here. And lastly, you know, it's reliable. It's going to be highly available. It's redundant. It's being managed by AWS. Neat. And, you know, I'm just looking here uh, about some popular example cases for, for flows that you might <coughs> want to configure. And I see that it can go either direction. It's not just about taking uh, data from a third-party uh, provider like Salesforce or Zendesk, for example. We can also go the other way. Uh, an example here says we can push a CSV file that's located in Amazon S3 into a Salesforce account contact or lead object, for example. Yeah, we can. And look, your mileage may vary here. So it is not full duplex or both way for all integrations here. There are limitations on an integration by integration basis. But yeah, absolutely. Look, um, you know, pretty flexible. And some of the flows that, you know, make a lot of sense are, you know, um, something happens in Zendesk, which is a popular ticketing system. Well, you might want to push that into S3 or Redshift, you know, analyze it in your data warehouse or, you know, carry out some more integration here. So, you know, it gives you flexibility to configure the flows. When it sounds like, you know, what, what AppFlow does is it, it, it kind of helps me do some ETL work some of the time. So when should I use Amazon AppFlow versus AWS Glue? So look, Glue is a managed ETL service that 
is going to make it easy for you know your data engineers to prepare and load data stored in AWS for analytics. Whereas AppFlow is going to allow you to connect API-based data sources together without having to write code. So look, I think they're kind of different here in a lot of ways here. I often will use Glue in conjunction with AppFlow. So I don't think it's either or here. I think, you know, it's going to uh, help massage the data between systems here. So, you know, I'll give you an example here. I leveraged Amazon AppFlow for pulling data out of Google Analytics. And I pushed that into S3 before, because that is the integration part into S3, before using Glue to manipulate that and getting and massage that data into Redshift. When should we use one or the other? Help provide some guidance there for our listeners. Yeah, okay. So look, EventBridge enables developers to build event-driven applications, as we mentioned before, that integrate with SaaS applications and also AWS services. Um, SaaS applications that have integrated with EventBridge, they're going to emit events to the customer's event bus, so your event bus, which can be routed to targets from EC2 instances to Lambda functions and so on. Whereas AppFlow is more about supporting bi-directional data transfer between SaaS applications and AWS services. So rather than one way, you know, with EventBridge, yeah. SaaS applications emitting data into AWS, AppFlow yep. supports that bi-directional data transfer between SaaS applications and AWS services. Um, and look, also, I will probably say here, EventBridge probably has a higher learning curve. AppFlow is more simplistic in nature than EventBridge. Uh, EventBridge is very extensible, but it also has a higher learning curve. So I think, you know, you will need to assess what your, I guess, operational and development capabilities are versus your business requirements and pick the most appropriate service that meets your needs here. Thanks. That definitely, I think, provides a good foundational comparison for our listeners. I think I can add a little bit more context to this. Today, you know, AppFlow does not have any cloud formation support because it is not targeted, you know, at those developers, those organizations that are going to be implementing these solutions via code. AppFlow, one of those services, log into the console, wire everything up, and effectively, you know, you're done with it. Cool, man. So maybe the last thing we should talk about before we close this off is what are some of your favorite integrations that Amazon AppFlow supports today from third-party SaaS providers? Okay. So for myself, Google Analytics, uh, you know, a lot of organizations use Google Analytics as the bread and butter of their analytics services. Uh, AppFlow integration, you can automate the flow of data from Google Analytics into AWS. You know, start to be able to leverage that data for downstream analytics. Uh, then there is Slack. You know, again, a lot of organizations use Slack. So being able to get information from Slack notifications being pushed into AWS uh, for things like sentiment analysis and trends. Cool. Well, I think that's uh, that's a lot. We've been talking a lot now about different ways to take uh, event-based uh, data systems and, and stitch them together. Uh, you heard us talk about. Amazon EventBridge and the way that lets you uh, have uh, events come into an event bus with rules that can pattern match uh, intelligently against attributes of those events and then dispatch those matching events to downstream systems. Uh, we talked about the capability for the schema registry inside EventBridge also as a really nice value add, uh, as well as co-generation capabilities. And of course, the ability to take 
third-party uh, events from other SaaS providers and bring those in in a normalized fashion in a uniform way into your AWS account to react uh, with your systems that are running on AWS. Then we pivoted and we switched to talk about AppFlow. Which is a fully managed integration service that enables you to securely transfer data between SaaS providers and AWS with just a few clicks. So with AppFlow, customers can run data flows at nearly any scale, either on demand or on schedule or in response to business events. Uh, Lots of powerful integrations with many third-party SaaS apps. Gabe, I think that wraps up the show here and it was great to have you back here. So listeners, keep the feedback coming. Drop us an email, awstechchat at amazon.com as your messages do drive a direction of the show. Yeah, thanks so much uh, to our listener who suggested we do an episode on Amazon EventBridge. I hope you found this helpful. Let us know. Gabe, couldn't have done this without your help here today. So look, thank you very much for uh, saving the day here today. Again, listeners, if you would like to give us feedback, awstechchat at amazon.com. Yeah, join us again next time for another episode of your choosing. But until next time, bye for now. See ya. Signing off, we really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, tell your friends, tell your colleagues, and tune in again to learn about AWS Cloud. Please subscribe to AWS Tech Chat by visiting awstechchat.com.